Daniel Cantor. We're live. How are you doing, buddy? Cheers. Cheers, my friend. It's uh, been a few few weeks since you've been on the podcast. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing excellent. I think it's been a couple months, actually. Has it? It was like 10 episodes ago. That's I don't know those increments. <laughs> you got you to give me the time frame between the episode to know. But mm. It has been a while. It has been a while. Since then, though, you, you got hired with the Lansing Lugnuts as a uh, uh as their sponsor sponsorship uh uh manager How does, what uh, is that? corporate sponsorship manager so yeah. what does that do what does that position do i am the one reaching out and handling and doing anything involving sponsorship so from reaching out to companies and talking to them seeing what sort of interest they'd have to bringing them in talk to them and then but a lot of it is also the activation part. So making sure signs on the video board are right, making sure the in-game promotions come in time, that sort of thing. Um, it's a lot of a lot of a lot of relationship building, which I I tend to enjoy. So it's been fun so far. It's it's I'm only three weeks in, so I can only tell you what right what so, I know from being three weeks in. So the last time you were on, you talked about hardcore a dojo. What kind of balance is that going to be like managing that and then also with this new gig? Well, it's been tough already, um, <laughs> but it's been doable. The, the first thing when I started hearing back about the position, I sort of had a, a plan already in place saying, okay, if this happens and I go forward with it, I, need, I know I need to hire these positions and, and make these moves. So right now, my, my biggest thing has been finding coaches to help me out. Uh, been successful that so far. I've got two that are helping me out. One is a sophomore at Michigan State. The other is a senior at DeWitt High School. And they have been, well, they just recently joined, but <clears throat> that's been the first part of the equation. The other is just keeping time balance, making sure I got time for the family and making sure I have energy to keep up when I'm actually at practice and, and all that. And that's really been a challenge um, recently. But it's been going. I think all in all, it's been going a lot more, a lot smoother than I expected it to. So the the real challenge is going to come in April when the lug nut season starts. And something that actually I couldn't announce before the last time I was here, we partnered with DeWitt's Parks and Rec program. So we're doing their basketball programming starting in April as well. Very cool. Yeah. Now, for the people that are watching that don't know what Hardcore Dojo is, could you explain what it what exactly it is? Yeah, I can probably explain better now than I could the last <laughs> time. I have a I have a much clearer vision of it now. It's a I would call it a skill development program um, based around basketball. It's a I guess I call it three layered program. First part is really the weekly lessons that we do. So we have kids that will come once a week, work on their on their skills anywhere from ages three to we have kids some kids who are 14 years old um the second level is our the second layer of it is our monthly clinics which we usually host with lansing area littles um those will be all over the area we've done one in holt hazlitt um doing one in duet in february actually doing one at the hannah community center this sunday as well um tickets are available for that by the way so um, and the third part is our Parks and Rec program, which we just got figured out. Um, so 
it's all about skill development. There isn't like a travel team attached to it. There isn't a league attached to it necessarily. It really is sort of about the individual player getting better at their own pace. So we have some kids that are on travel teams that really want to work on their skills. And we got some kids who, you know, three years old, picking up first time, picking up a ball and, and, and really just teaching them the basic, just not even just the core mechanics and, and body function and body movement part of basketball. So um, it is based off of a program that I worked for in Los Angeles uh, called Royal Basketball School, where it was run by two people who had a lot of experience from the European side of ball because they were both uh, born and raised in Russia and played played over there. Um, and yeah, that's the program. I'm uh, I'm a lot further along than I honestly ever expected I would be at this point. And well, how long ago did you start the program? Uh, first clinic was beginning of August. Wow. Yeah. How many uh, players do you have now? I think uh, recurring on weekly, we have around I think 12 to 13 kids now. And then our clinics regularly get anywhere from 20 to 40 kids. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. It's been great. And there's been some tough times, too. I mean, there was a point where I thought it was just going to kind of go under. Um, I think... Working with Lansing Littles was a big thing that saved me from that happening. So I'm I'm grateful to where I am. I think really the big thing next, like I said, is getting coaches in place to help us out. And then, you know, I think anyone who's involved in any sort of youth sports in Lansing will tell you that the hardest thing is getting court space and time. It is a is a dogfight, especially now when it's freezing cold. Mm -hmm. So right. trying to find. Uh, couple more consistent spots in the area because right now i got st john's and hazlitt they're both great areas to have but then i've got the whole west and south side just kind of hanging there so yeah now you do just basketball right now do you plan on doing anything else later on any other sports is basketball your passion well it's kind of a multi-layered answer i <laughs> um my favorite actual like favorite sport is football american football but uh i don't have as much playing experience with are you that. a lions fan yeah since 2018 since i moved here <laughs> yeah i grew up in la like we didn't have an actual team and the rams movement is like oh who really cares um yeah big on the lions right now it's exciting times man <laughs> right um but i don't really have the much playing experience um and i also think after covid you kind of think a worst case scenario for anything so i start to think okay with all the injury concerns what happens with youth football if all the scares about declining participation are true and all that stuff and basketball is the kind of sport that i don't really think is going to have that i think the biggest fear for football is cte for children right 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 there's really no way to prevent it yeah no it's, it's a part of the game and and you look at a sport like basketball it's like injuries are incidental it's not a fundamental part of the game to inflict something that would be necessarily painful or damaging to somebody right so I, I did i did toy with doing a bunch of sports and kind of becoming a multi like a sports camp style um but i think for now i gotta see where basketball takes me it's the one that i've i've put years of of work into from the coaching and and teaching side of it that I, I think I gotta I gotta perfect that before thinking anything else. Now, being from uh, LA, and not, what happened to my mic? Some, my mic is cutting <laughs> out. That's weird. 
um, being from LA and not being from Lansing, do you find that it's hard to to build a business when when you are still learning what the community is like? Yeah, I, I think they kind of go hand in hand. I've learned more as I as I've gone, and uh, I will say the the job with the lug nuts has helped a lot because I'm very immersed in the community now. Um, I think it also kind of gave me a a sort of weird competitive advantage where I had no fear and thought that I could I could really do whatever. Um, but not having those initial connections was definitely tough. I think moving, having moved so much in the last five years of my life, I've gotten very good at meeting the right people and, and getting out there quickly. Um, cause I've lived in, I think it's like, what year are we in now? Since 2014, <laughs> I've lived in five different States. You know, it's, I've had to adapt very quickly. Um, and it's become sort of hardwired into me. So that part came easier, but starting out was definitely a challenge. So what would you say the number one tool for like networking would be for you? Cause that's something that I've been thinking a lot about lately is networking. Oh man. Um, I just kind of stumble upon people. I think <laughs> I, I obviously doing podcasts help, right? Doing like talking about it. I've been, I've kind of gone back to Facebook a lot. I think a lot of my, I think that's how probably we initially met, or at least how I found the podcast, uh, found out about it. Um, market crazy on Facebook groups. Cause I think right now it's hard to find consistent groups where people are, are active, you know, like in person or what have you, but everyone seems to be going back to Facebook groups because ever there's, there's, 20 different chat apps and there's a bunch of different ways to communicate, but that one seems to be pretty consistent. That's how I've marketed Dojo for the last six months and, and really built up the small, but it's like a community base. A yeah. Good, good community base, Facebook group. That's the one thing I'm like, extreme. why does my mic keep doing that? Okay. Hold on. I don't know why my mic is doing that. Oh, uh, hold on a second. That's one thing that I'm fortunate about with the Lansing area is that we have a pretty pretty big Facebook group, the Lansing 517, and then there's some other ones as well. But the Lansing 517, like I don't think that there's anywhere else, at least locally, like in Michigan, that has a, a giant, you know, group like that to where you could promote your own thing and market. Yeah, I mean, it it depends. I think from what I'm looking for in the demographic I advertise to, which is parents and their kids, Lansing area littles again has been huge. And then I think greater Lansing moms is a, is a huge one as well. But outside of that, yeah, I'd say five one seven is the one is the one key player. Um, it can be challenging. I mean, I, again, I'm coming from someone who's only been here a year and I would also say that it's, it's also seems to me anecdotally that people are very much in their own community where, you know, Holt does things with people in Holt and people in, I don't know, do it, do things with people in do it and so on. Yeah. Lansing. So, yeah. 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 That was the challenge when I first started dojo is I, I had two locations that were decently um, spaced apart from each other. Still have them, but I thought that was a really good way. Cause then I can get everyone to drive, 
20 or so minutes and they'd be happy with that. But there's a lot of people who just don't want to make that commute. And again, coming from Los Angeles, I just didn't know. Yeah, absolutely. Now you had mentioned, uh, you, you kind of took, we talked about this on the last podcast, but you kind of took the idea of the belt system from somebody else from the, like the martial arts, martial yeah. arts. Do you hear that? My mic cutting in and out? No. no? So it's just, it me. sounds great to me. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, you kind of took a belt system from the martial arts community. Expl can you explain that and the process for that? Yeah. It's like a reward system. Right. So initially, so going back to Royal Basketball, the program, what they would do, it was more, it was kind of like for kids how they, as a kid, you'd have, um, you ever have those like sticker books where you get a star for something? Does that make, am I ringing a bell? Mm -hmm. You ever get a sticker in elementary school? Yeah, for anything so that's kind of how the system they use where you get like a book a booklet and then you get a star for good rebounding good all that um obviously i didn't want to take directly from that and i wanted to make it my own so i used the word dojo and the martial arts style the belt thing came from um i believe gentleman's name is sean with uh he coaches for lansing catholics junior program and i was just talking to him about the program and he recommend the belt idea and that was where the light switched on but as far as just sort of the mentality i kind of knew i didn't want to stick and and go to the competitive side as far as my own program um i think i mentioned last time i'm still coaching with quest with them as an assistant and hopefully we'll coach one of their teams but as far as a program that that is mine that i own i'm much more into the development side and people kind of going on their individual paths um, so I think that's really where it came from for me. Very cool. Yeah, that's cool. Where do you see it going within the next few years? I want to go all the way to Grand Rapids. I'd I'd like to expand. I'd like to get it to be a full time thing. Are you hiring? I am actually. I uh, I'm still looking for a few coaches, and I'm looking for someone that this is the kind of the hard part that I'm going back and forth on is I do need someone to help out with the, op what I call the basketball operations side. So helping me find jerseys, maybe helping me find sponsors. So I'm not crossing my wires. <laughs> um, help me find good court time or res reserve court time and, and help people order their shirts and stuff like that. But I am looking for coaches to help out. Um, is it, would it be like a volunteer? thing or paid, uh, I do paid. Paid. um i would do paid or if you have a child that you want in the program i just do a kids get kid goes for free which ends up being around the same so cool yeah it's it's going well um i found one through facebook and one through i think handshake was the site so handshake yeah it's all the college kids use <laughs> <laughs> what is handshake it's, a, it's like a website. It's like a job board for like a third party job board for universities. So it's just sort of a software they use, but hmm. interesting. I'm going to pull up your website. I have your website right here. Um, I would rather, I mean, what's that? No, I'm just joking. It's like, <laughs> I, I don't, again, I'm not a web designer. So neither am I. Me. I'm terrible at it. Dude. <laughs> there we go. This is you, right? Uh, it's not my leg, no. But me on the floor right there, yeah. Oh, so this is your website? Yeah, yeah. Okay. 
one of our clinics, one of our early ones actually with Lansing Littles. Um, it's at our Hazlitt location in Court One. This website looks legit. Yeah, and the graphics were again all by Mac, the social media person we use. Um, and then you could actually look in that one on the left. So that breaks down our three. I guess you call it the pillars of of what we do, which are the classes, the clinics, and the parks and rec program. The and I know you asked what I want to do in the future. The big mission I have that I'd like to do one day is get a location that it doesn't have to be a full size court, but just something that resembles. You know what my gym is? It's not a Midwest thing. No. My gym, it's it's like a miniature-sized um, jungle gym for like really little kids. Okay. They, they have them all over California. I used to go as a kid. Yeah, if you want to look it up and take a look. But I would like to do something that's closer to that for basketball. So I say go images so you can get kind of a a visual. If if it wants to load, <laughs> wants to load, you know, doing a lot at once. So you see stuff like that. Hold I, on, let me. Oh, share. There we go. Sorry. Hold on. Okay. So. Something like this right here. Mm -hmm. So something like that were to be a little more basketball themed. It honestly wouldn't have to be that big um, of a venue. So you have, you know, hoops like that. I would, I would envision something where it's like hoops, mounted hoops at a young child's level all over the place. You have different foot patterns on the wall, on the wall, on the ground to show you like a, how to do a layup and, just different things, different sort of games you can make through that lens. Um, wouldn't need that big of a venue, but that's a, a goal down the road. When that'll happen, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, everything comes in time, right? Yeah, no, I'm 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 biding my time. I think I've I've got to get a little bit bigger. Just so. When you are planning your workouts or you're planning a session, do you do anything other than basketball to help help the players? Is are you practiced? Are you doing other things like weightlifting or how are you forming a program? Yeah, that's a good question. No weightlifting yet because I got um I got to figure that part out to really give them a venue where I can actually make that sure that it's done safely. Um, really the big thing I do aside from that is kind of show them how to stretch and work on their core and, and, um, legs as well. I, basically every practice I'll start by telling them there's two ways to, to jump high and look cool while doing it. You know, you work your legs, squats and, and all these jumps and, and plyometrics. I always say that wrong. Plyometric, plyometrics, plyometrics. Thank you. Um, <laughs> And all this to jump high, and then you have to exercise your core to make sure you can control the ball while you're in the air. So I usually start with that. What kind of workouts do basketball players typically do? It's like if you look at like players in the NBA, they're jacked. 
huge. Yeah. So a lot of it is. Um, but then, like when I was in school, they were all scrawny. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the game's changed. There's a there's a book out there. It's Strength Training for Basketball. I believe it was written by the Minnesota Timberwolves uh, head strength and conditioning coach. Um, a, a lot of it is basically lowered compound, like compound weight with lowered weight, but with a pilometric move. So like squat jumps, you know, um, squat scissor kicks, that sort of thing. So is it typically like full body workouts or are you isolating one, one muscle group during one workout? That's a great question. I'd say it's probably done both ways. Um, I've seen it done where it's just the whole, yeah, I've seen it done where it's full body and I've seen it done where it's just one part, but generally you don't want to work one part too hard if you're in. Yeah, if you're in season, you don't want to work it too hard because it's going to mess up your shot and everything. But I'd say full body. What kind of, um, what kind of, uh, like rehab or not rehab, but like, uh, recovery modalities should basketball players typically do? Like cold plunging, obviously, in like maybe sauna, stretching, foam rolling. Yeah. Those type of things, right? Yeah. Stretching, foam rolling every day is the one I would say. Um, most people don't know how to foam roll. The right way. How do you foam roll the right way? Uh, <laughs> elbows together. See if you can see. Elbows together, right in the middle of the back. Um, you actually don't really want to foam roll the lower back. It's from what I've been taught. Um, and then deep, heavy breaths in and out as you do it. That's the big thing. Um, a lot of injuries for players that I guess are more predictable um, are obviously below the belt so ankles knees legs the whole the whole day like that so you always want to stretch that part especially um and a lot of it is just um i'd say weight management too so you you see players who are whether they're heavy or they're just tall and big um you don't want to have them doing a lot of crazy amount of exercise where they're putting a lot of weight on themselves so you don't really want to have them um trying to think of a good example like you don't want to really have them like sprint like running the whole time because they're putting too much weight in their joints and their knees and everything it's a lot of impact on the knees right right exactly and the whole sport i mean that's why a lot of big guys in the nba go down early you know you think of like yao ming and all these guys whose careers have were shortened just because and then you think i think yao ming retired what in 2000 i'm not even gonna try and guess but i know the technology <laughs> i know the, the the technology wasn't what it is now yeah no absolutely now we had mentioned that um, the the game has changed, like spe specifically in the NBA. Like, I mean, if you look back in like the seventies or eighties, like they were scrawny and like limber and just like no muscle mass almost. Mm -hmm. But now basketball players are jacked. Are 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 high school kids the same way? Like, I mean, has the game changed for younger people? Well, the games, of course, change. Are you saying uh, as far as as far as phys physicality of of these players? Oh yeah, I mean, I think the, I think the biggest change really now is that everyone shoots. Like when we grew up, at least when I grew up playing, like the the big kid on the court would be stuck down low, and you don't have him shoot, and you just have him rebound and put it back. Now, like you see kids that even the tallest kid on the team wants to take the ball down and and shoot, and that's gone up to every level. Um. I think it's also just 
we know more about it now. <laughs> we just know more about the game. We know more the technical side. And I think there's just more kids participating, you know, just more more of a pool to select from, more a uh, high well, I'm trying to say. More people to <laughs> that select whiskey, from. man. Yeah, you know. <laughs> more people to choose from means a higher chance the talent's gonna be higher. Mm. It's also a big part. Um I think it's just gotten a lot more finesse too, like you said. Like it's um it's crazy to think that like a lot of kids I know growing up, and it still happens to the day. It's like if you're the big kid, if you if you grow the fastest first, you're you're almost a little bit screwed because you get less technical work because you can just rely on size for a little bit. But a lot of kids stop growing and stop growing around to normal height, and then they have to adjust with the skills that they had. Happened to me. That was definitely me growing up. I had to re go back and reteach myself basic fundamentals because i was at a point of coaching where i'm like if i have to if i actually have to teach someone this i better how to know how to do it myself so how do you teach yourself that i got myself a trainer actually did you really i did this was back when i was coaching high school in la um still a friend of this day chris i i just found him on i think thumbtack and man you realize so much on websites and yeah oh, apps and stuff that's awesome that's the best way to find that's a good move case. yeah no it worked out we're still we're still friends to this day but i I learned a lot. I figure out how to dribble on my offhand. I I can now translate my knowledge a lot better to people because I can actually demonstrate it. So that helped a lot. Cool. Yeah, cool. So what's next? What's new? Um, fatherhood. Father. Fatherhood. Nine months old. Wow. Is it your only child? Yeah, he's the first. What is that like? What is that transition like? I don't really remember before it at this point. That's, that's, <laughs> that's one thing that everybody told me when I was having a kid. They're like, you won't remember this. Because I was like nervous. You know, when my daughter was going to be born, she was my first child. I was like nervous. And they're like, don't worry. Life will never be the same and you won't miss it. I'm like, okay. I agree with most of that. I definitely don't miss it. I don't miss like not having them. No, I definitely don't either. I think... There are some times where I'm like, I wish I can get a couple extra hours of just <laughs> focus and, and, you know, but yeah, it's everything's, everything's more fun, you know? Yeah. What stage is, is, is the child walking and, and running and active around the house? Not quite. He's crawling. He's pulling himself up. Um, we have a little gate that he, he hangs out in um, and he's able to pull himself up not able to keep himself up yet so we're working on that um but he he doesn't have any teeth yet he's babbling a lot <laughs> he's uh he's also very expressive now he's in like that what we call the pterodactyl phase where he just makes like screeching noises when he's happy <laughs> i don't know if that's normal for babies but it's normal for him so i think it's normal for babies to just make noises yeah yeah um but yeah that's it's been going really well i i think not having my parents around, you know, them being in Los Angeles and my wife's parents being up in Marine City a couple hours away, it made the transition, like it forced us to transition a lot faster than we otherwise would have. So I think on one hand, we got used to it quicker. On the other hand, it might have been a little more painful, you know, because I, it, you don't realize how much of a benefit having your parents right next to you is until you don't. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, 
something as simple as like going out on a date or something and having somebody to come over to watch the baby for a, a little bit. Yeah. It's difficult and it's difficult to find people that you trust that you're willing to leave your child with. Even, I mean, like daycare situations is like, oof, can you trust the daycare? I mean, we talked about that in the last episode with like, yeah. how expensive they are. And it's like, you pay all this money and they don't even treat your child well. Like, I remember we went to, <laughs> we went to this one place and when, I think it was when my daughter was born, we were looking for like a daycare situation and we found this lady on probably some app or something and she had some sort of in-home daycare system and so we went to her house to check it out and she had the kids in the basement like there was like bunk beds and it was an unfinished basement no egress windows or anything it was just like basement did you report like, them no we didn't oh <laughs> boy i don't want to i don't know if i want to be a snitch or anything but that's that's uh not Good luck. I don't know if it was legal or not. I mean, I would have, I would have hoped it was legal, but I don't, I don't know. Yeah. So you were like, no, not doing this. Yeah, I assume you weren't like doing that either. No, <laughs> no, we didn't leave our child with her. We just went to go check it out. We're like, yeah, no, this is a no go. <laughs> I don't, did you make that clear? You were just like, yeah, we'll come back and check it out. Or I don't remember what we said. <laughs> I mean, this was like eight years ago, oh, almost man. nine years ago, and it hasn't gotten better because. I mean, the, the fallout from COVID and everything. Um, I mean, if you, that's one thing you go look at Facebook groups and people are just like, it's, it's a bidding war for childcare at this point. I mean, yeah, it's so difficult because both parents need to work and it's like finding a good daycare that you can, I mean, like for somebody like me, we start work at like six 30 in the, in the morning and we work till four o'clock in the afternoon. Second shift starts at five five and goes to like two thirty in the morning. Good luck trying to find somebody to watch your kids. Like find a place that opens before six o'clock so you can drop your child off and then go to work. It's hard. I can't even imagine. And I know we're going to be there soon. You know, we've got a couple of years before we're going to have to do the same thing. Well, we're going to try and avoid it. Wife's at stay at home right now and we're, we're budgeting, budgeting accordingly. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and I don't, again, I don't really think it's as much easier anywhere else. I think if anything, you could argue that Lansing's probably, I don't know, it's honestly better than most places because that that would be that would be a little bit much. But yeah, it compared to like New York, LA, that's kind of that kind of spot. It's it's tough. Um, though to be fair, I, I think we still do want to have more kids, so we're probably gonna have to start <laughs> figuring that out soon. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, somebody's gonna have to be a stay at home parent or something. Yeah. And for me with the new job, it's been different because I, I had spent the last, you know, his entire life being, I, I had some, you know, I guess you call it a makeshift stay at home dad with running the business, but still being at home all the time and just adjusting to, you know, I get up two hours early in the morning so I can hang out with him and have some time before I start work. I'll, um, I'll start those days even early, like instead of going nine to five, go eight to four so I can get home and have an extra hour with him before he goes to bed and I have to go coach. So it's, it's been a huge adjustment there. Um, but it also has made me realize how valuable that time is with him. So, yeah, it's amazing how time flies with children. Like I, I was just thinking the other day when my son was born, he just turned seven on Friday and, uh, Friday. Yeah. Friday turned seven on Friday. And I remember the year he was born was the last year that we built our last model at work. 
and I remember that because uh, he was born in January. We built the last model in like June. And from that point till now, we have worked so many hours. It's been relentless. And I just thought about like, that's all he's known since he was born was how much we work. And to him, it's just normal, which is crazy. It's crazy to think. And then just time flies. You don't realize it. Yeah. And I, I had that growing up too. My parents were always working and it's nothing against them. They were doing what they could, what they did to give us a great life, me and my brothers. But I remember, were you, did you watch Rugrats growing up? Oh yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> I actually identified with Angelica because her mom was always on the phone. Like I was like, oh, that looks like my mom. Like, And I'm talking like back before phone addiction was like the norm where everyone <laughs> has it, you know, where like the Blackberry where it's only like, you got to have a, you know, it's kind of bougie if you're a phone addict at this point, but <laughs> um, it's hard, man. Like, you know, and kids, kids pick up on it more than people realize is what I, what I figured. What kind of people had a Blackberry? Were those like your business people? Yeah. Business and legal. Yeah. Um, it was like, what kind of things would you do on a Blackberry? Emails was the big thing back then. Okay. Because otherwise, remember, you just had the the nine-digit keypad. Right. So you had to go like A, B, C. You wanted like, you know, <laughs> one of those three letters. So at that point, it was just revolutionary. Um, looking back, the thing's just like clunky. I used to play <laughs> Snake on it. That was my favorite thing. <laughs> Trying to pry it away from my mom's hands and play Snake. Didn't it have like the ball yeah. on it? Yeah. 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 Yeah, I remember people having a Blackberry. I'm like, wow, they have a Blackberry. Or like the Razor. That was another one. And the Sidekick. The Sidekick. That was an actually, that was a pretty cool phone. Yeah, that one was was the cool kid phone for sure. For sure. I was upset. We were we didn't have T-Mobile. So I, was, you know, <laughs> I don't understand why we can't just get both. I didn't understand <laughs> contracts and things like that. At the time. I think contracts were way better back then. I actually don't. I got very lucky. We, I, I'm one of those people that Parents just let us stay on their plan forever. So <laughs> I got very lucky with that sense. Um, but do tell. I just think that they were better. Like you got better coverage and stuff. Right. Yeah. Well, now like they kind of forced everybody into like having a data plan and like unlimited text and the, the yeah, the data line and everything. Well, the problem is no one, no. Oh, I get, oh, let me say it like this. No, very few residents have, home lines anymore right because you had to make it up on the back end you know i'm interested hold on i'm gonna look something up keep talking what percent of people have home phones still i'm pretty sure i, I would say that it's a pretty high percentage like your older people for sure have old like a home line okay i would like to see the number of people who've had them installed recently that might be the better way to go um I don't know. My grandma used to have the one where you had to turn the crank the whole way. That one was fun. Better percentage of people have home phones installed. Okay. At the end of 2022, fewer than 27% of adults reported having a landline, and an overwhelming majority had a cell phone, too. Hmm. What's interesting is they built houses with uh, the hookups, and, and, and now they don't at all. Mm hmm. Yeah, and that's another thing that it's a total separation from people who um, used to buy houses too is ACs because nowadays it, all of it is is digital, right? So I was talking to my dad and he was talking about how when 
you know, he bought his first house or sold his, like his old house or whatever, you know, he, uh, he left his AC and then someone mentioned that bought a house and they said air conditioner. It. Yeah. Cause now it's all digital. You just prop it on and it, and it works. Right. But he was, so I, let me say it again. Someone was telling him about how they took their AC with them and he didn't understand that it's just cause he still has like one of the old ones. I don't know. Houses are very different now. So the thermostat part. Yeah. The thermostat oh, part. Okay. Um, yeah, it's interesting to think about because I mean, like, uh, doorbells, like having the camera doorbells and like the the smart thermostats, they're almost like commonplace now. Everybody has them. So, like, if you sell your house and move, should you take those things with you or should you leave them? That's actually a good question for somebody who's like a, a realtor. Yeah. Or should you replace them with a generic one? Say, when we got our house, they left up those uh, LED strip lights. Not that I'm complaining. But yeah. <laughs> when I bought this house, they left a treadmill and a a really old TV and I think a crappy couch. And I was like, like parting gift, you know. <laughs> and they asked if we wanted them. I, we told them no, and they just left them anyways. <laughs> well, you can throw them out for us then, you know. Oh, yeah. Man. But I guess if I could. I think I messed up on explaining the corporate sponsorship part of my job before. So I'll, I'll try to explain what I do for them is I look for um, businesses, organizations, both local and corporate that want to do partnerships with the Lug Nuts minor league baseball, kind of the same traditional thing you, th you think of in video boards to promotions and stuff, but also trying to get creative with some of what we do. Um, and that's, I just wanted to come back to that. So I can make sure that people understand that I understand what my job is. It's <laughs> <laughs> like he doesn't even know what is what he does. Face <laughs> right, I swear. No. That's funny. Yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting when people get nervous to do the podcast. I'm like, it's don't get nervous. Like this is not that big of a a deal. Yeah, I I mean I I'm not I'm not as nervous about talking about my own thing. I think is the big thing. Yeah, I, I can I can stand on whatever ground I say. I just want to make sure I'm good and. Don't step on any toes, I guess I could say, but I think the nerves just come from honestly hearing your own voice and seeing your own face. I don't <laughs> think people, few people ever really get comfortable with that. I think that's like the biggest part of stage fright. I've had so many people sit down in the chair that you're sitting in and they're like super talkative. And then I'm like, all right, you, re you ready? Let's hit record. And I hit record and they look up and see the camera and then they look at the microphone and they're like, mm. <laughs> and then they just they clam up and it's so hard to get them to talk and you have to try to pry, pry from them. And it's difficult. People don't tell you about that. When, when you try to do a podcast, they don't tell you how, how difficult it is to try to get extract information from somebody. And the best way to do that is honestly to just get to know them is, and the best way to do it would be to actually hang out with them prior to the podcast, like at least for an hour. Sit, sit down with them for an hour, maybe go to dinner, have some drinks, just chill and relax or like do something together. Cause that's another thing. Like I've had people where we work out together, we'll do a workout together. Then we'll do a podcast. And for some reason, when you're doing something difficult with somebody together, it builds like some sort of bond. And then, so when you sit down and have a conversation, it's like, Oh, this is relaxing. Like I know you, we struggle together. Yeah. This is no big deal. Yeah. It's a, it's a cooperative effort. That should be like the default. You have to pass this uh, this bench press limit. 
come on the podcast. <laughs> meathead. Yeah. Total, total meathead podcast. No, I have actually thought about um, having some sort of like experience that people could do. Because one thing I'm doing right now is I'm building a cold plunge. And um, I think it'd be cool to like add that to the podcast somehow. Like if I could have somebody who wants to do the podcast, but also wants to like get their struggle on with me, maybe we'll do a cold plunge and we'll do a workout together and then we'll do a podcast. It's a good idea. I will say right now in the middle of January in Michigan, I think the last thing a lot of people <laughs> want to do is, is be colder, but I well, think I do understand it. It might actually warm you up because it's been like negative one. There. And the water's like 40 degrees. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cold plunge. You mean sauna? Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, the polar plunges happen in Atlantic Brewery. Somebody said, I'm down for a cold plunge. I don't know who that is. Um, anytime, anytime. Um, Lansing Brewery is doing a, a, their polar plunge next Saturday, actually. Oh, yeah. That's for the uh, Special Olympics, yes, right? Yes, it is. Yeah, I was asked to join a team and then I refused because I was like, I'll just put together my own team. And then I never put together a team. <laughs> and well, there's your hint. And I've been, I feel like that's Travis. Just a Facebook user uh, person watching. Sorry to. I feel like that's yeah. Travis. Um, and it, yeah, so you, you want to put together a team? I, I don't, I'll do it. You'll do it. <laughs> I'm saying it live on the podcast now. Yeah, I'll try. So we should put together a team. Yeah, sure. I'll do it. Um, oh boy. I'll think about it. I'll think about it. I don't know who that is. I want to know who that is. It's bugging me. Michigan Jess. crime time. Oh, there you okay. go. it's Jess. Hey, yeah. Jess. Yeah, Jess, you should do a cold plunge. It'd be awesome. Um, I've done a cold plunge one time and it was at this place in Grand Rapids. It's called uh, the float or float. Mm -hmm. And it's a pretty cool place. It's uh, they have a room that you can rent um, by the hour and it has a sauna and a cold plunge and you can go back and forth in between the two. <laughs> and, um, it was, it, it felt great. It felt really good. And my wife did it with me and she does not like being cold. She was like, no, I don't want to do this. She was mad at me for signing up and it was on our anniversary. So I understand, but needless to say, she enjoyed it. She thought it, it, it felt good. Where's the spot at? It's in, it's on wealthy street in Grand Rapids. Okay. Yeah. I'll pull it up. Cause, um, I highly recommend this place. I was to say cold plunges have been like the big, the big bro science thing for the last like five years. I feel like Joe Rogan had single-handedly brought that industry to. Absolutely. But I mean, there's like legit science behind. Oh, sure. sure behind yeah. it. So like to say that it's bro science is. I say that as a, as a, as an endearing term, as a compliment. Right, right, right. Most people say it as an insult. I say compliment. <laughs> <laughs> I might I have to make that clear. A lot of my my uh, my uh, philosophy in the gym is bro science. So, well, I mean, I think a Not lot of people misconstrued a lot of things that are fitness as like bro science, yeah. like whoa, man, like you work out. But the thing is, is um, a lot of it, I mean, is is true. Like it's yeah, I mean, yeah, a lot of meatheads are in the gym. A lot of meatheads do the cold plunge. A lot of meatheads do saunas, like all those things, but they're extremely beneficial. Yeah. Well, I think of bro science, I think of stuff like blue blocker glasses when you go to bed at night, like stuff like, <laughs> oh yeah, that makes perfect sense. That's, you know, 
probably shouldn't be staring straight at screens right before I close my eyes. And do you do the uh, the blue screen thing where you change the the screen after a certain time? I think I have it in yeah yeah as an automatic yeah. And I used to actually use blue blocker glasses at work. Um, I stopped because I look like the front man of a screamo band. Just wasn't a good look for me. Okay, so this is float. Let's see. Let me go to the page. Um, so this is the room we were in. You have a sauna and you have the cold plunge. And what we were doing is we were we would get I got in this uh, in the cold plunge first for 30 seconds, and then you get it back in the sauna. And I think we did seven minutes in the sauna and then got back out and did another 30 seconds because we wanted to do a total of three minutes um in the cold plunge. And then we ended in the cold plunge. Cool. And then they have they have uh, float tanks as well. I, I didn't do that, but I do want to do that eventually because um, that would be extremely beneficial for your skin and, and whatnot. Yeah, no, and I sauna is one of my favorite things to do. Um, Conquest out here has a really good one. Is it uh, is it what kind of sauna is it? It's dry. Okay. Yeah. So I did uh when I was sick a couple weeks ago, I did an Epsom salt bath mm -hmm. and I didn't realize how beneficial that was for your skin until afterwards. And it felt amazing. I felt, I mean, I was sick and it helped me re like my body feel better. Mm -hmm. But as far as like helping like my dry skin and everything, it helped tremendously. And I'm like, I'm going to start doing this weekly. Yeah, I, I've seen, I mean, I, I never tried it, but I have, I did swim in the Red Sea in cool. uh in israel and your skin is perfect after now when you're in it it feels like you're just getting stabbed by a thousand knives because <laughs> all the salt just like going into all your open cuts but Oof. but yeah it's it's night and day so i i believe it I've, I've heard a lot of it recently do you do any like uh any of those bro science type of things well like do you do cold plunge you said you do sauna uh, i do sauna a lot um i haven't done a cold plunge i'm again this is why i Said I'd do it because I've been kind of soft about getting over to that side. Um, as far as birth science, I don't know. I'd say I, I tried the blue blocker glasses thing. Um, I tried to, one of the philosophies that I picked up from birth science is I try to get as much sleep as I can to the point where I don't need an alarm. So the philosophy was just if you, if you have to wake up with an alarm, you don't have enough sleep. Not to say that if I wake up and I'd dude, I would never wake up. <laughs> well, I used to think that, but like then I started actually just letting it go. And then, you know, it just started working like that. Um, not to say I really have the option have, right now with the, with the 10 with the nine month old. Have but. you ever tried one of those alarm clocks that uh, naturally lights up the room like as if sunlight were to come in and your body naturally wakes up to sunlight? No, I've heard of those, though. Yeah. I've tried. um I've tried the alarms that do that where it like slowly, slowly, but I don't know it. At the end of the day, I'm still getting woken up when I don't want to be awake. That's the one, that's the one bro science thing that I've, I've tried. So I've been going to bed a lot earlier than I've, I've normally been like, what time do you go to bed? I try to be in bed before 10 now. I, I'm always, I mean, with the new job and, and all the, the coaching and everything, I'm, I'm always tired enough to fall asleep anyway. Yeah. So it works out. I try to go to bed at like around nine o'clock, generally like on a work night. And then I wake up at five o'clock in the morning to go to work. I have to be at work at six thirty, so yeah. It's respect. I'm still I'm still working my way back to that. Because <laughs> I used to do um 
when I was working for DraftKings, I had to work. I was remote, so I didn't have to go anywhere. But I, I was I worked a six to two shift, so I'd have to get up. Right you worked for DraftKings. Yeah, I never what'd told you, you that. No, what'd you do there? Oh God, yeah, I uh, I was a VIP host, which was basically a, a liaison to all the high rollers in actually for the state of Michigan. What was the craziest thing you witnessed? Witnessed is not the right word. Craziest thing I've been told. I guess I don't work for them anymore. I, I'm, <laughs> um, I've seen people tell me they've on multiple occasions would like bet thousands of dollars and then write into customer support or me saying, Hey, someone took my phone, bet all my money. They're, they're clearly lying. <laughs> and then like, and then, and they gave me my phone back. Is there any way you can <laughs> take all my bets back? Like, like, obviously, no. Like, we know oh, you're lying about that. Um, people would tell me they've like spent their savings. And, like, you'd have people asking for like ten cents, kind of thing. It's just because they want something to play with. Um, yeah, it's I, one of the craziest addictions. As far as like, I it basically ruined gambling for me. Which is not a bad thing, but it, it took me out of it a lot. Yeah, it's that's a scary one too because you can e very easily lose everything. Yeah. Oh yeah. I have a coworker who used to work for a casino, and uh, he was a blackjack dealer, and he said that the, a guy came in, uh, a college kid from MSU came in and bet his whole college tuition, mm -hmm. and it. lost it all. I believe it. I had a. I had a kid at, uh, at U of M had that happened. Not the whole tuition, but like you told me how much money he bet. And yeah, it happens. And again, I think it's 21 now. You know, it's it's one thing to talk about alcohol being 18 or, or what have you, but like gambling is a. Well, that's crazy too, because you can make those kind of decisions while drinking alcohol. <laughs> they, also, they often do be made. They often are made while drinking alcohol. That's right. not the point. They, they want those to be like that um yeah it, it kind of ruined the whole experience for me personally i um like i'll still bet once in a while but you kind of see the other side of it and you also know once you work you know that the house is always going to win through one way or another it's kind of predatory a little bit oh totally yeah um and it's it goes back and forth on the the ethical nature of it is it like is it better to have it legal to at least where it's somewhat regulated or is it better to just leave it in the black market and have people get their thumbs broken for not paying a, a wager well i think it should be legal yeah i think everybody should have the freedom to do whatever they want yeah and i mean as much as it sucks and as much as it as scary as it can be to be able, like be able to have the ability to go and lose everything at least you know that they're doing it legally yeah, because I mean, those people typically would probably more than likely find a way to do it, anyways. Oh, oh yeah, they were doing it before. I, I'm I'm sure. Like it's like it's like anything else. Yeah, and it's the, the thing is when you see when people talk about like stats of like gambling is up, quote unquote. Now, now it's, it's more so it's just trackable now. You know, no one's reporting if they're illegally betting. Right, it's not intentionally. Right, but I mean, like if you leave it up to the black market. Uh, look at i mean what could happen i mean you could get in and get in bed with the wrong people and you owe them money and now they're coming for you yeah 
<laughs> well, then like even the black market can work their way up the chain. I mean, they've seen pro sports get rigged. There's been plenty of cases where and where it was definitely illegal um, in the states that it was being done still be pushed. You know, they still made that connection. Think of, I don't know, think of Boston College. Think of um, Tim Donahue. Like it's. Yeah, it's it's a it's a touchy subject. I will say I'm I'm happy to not be in the gambling sphere anymore because I think it does take a toll on you spiritually. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's something that happens to people that are addicted to it. You get the dopamine. I mean, whether it's like a slot machine or, you know, you can you can see it in their eyes. Yeah. The dopamine hits every single time they hit that button. Now, I will say and here's the counterpoint is like it's you know, it is good to have fun and like I've had plenty of fun gambling and oh, for in, sure. in my life. So it's not to say that it's like, you know, never swearing enough for the rest of my life, but I, I think I've just kind of been jaded by that sense. Um, what thing does kind of worry me though is that gambling for kids is kind of legal now and it's really all, well, that's okay, that's I kind of go over overboard, but as far as um, do you know what loot boxes are for video games, you probably your kids play any like Fortnite or anything like that? Uh, yeah. UK, anything? They don't play Fortnite, but yeah, I know what you're talking about. Somebody said, think about all the squares people buy on the Super Bowl. That's not legal gambling. No, it's not. Oh, yeah, I guess not. Huh. <laughs> but it's like, that's all like youth sports teams get sponsored and all that. So it's, yeah. And I mean, yeah, again, everything's under the table, right? Um, Totally lost your train of thought. There. You were talking about Fortnite and how. Um, yes. Um. Well, a lot of it now is like, I got to jump back on the video game topic. That's how a lot of kids are getting sucked in. Like they'll pay for a box, like a mystery box of like digital costumes or or weapons or what have you. Like Call of Duty, Fortnite, all this. A lot of two K and Madden do this too, and it is still gambling in a sense. It's like opening a pack of trading cards. Like you don't know what's going to be inside. Um, so that's one thing I'm, I just kind of came to mind as far as the gambling side, but wouldn't their parents have to agree to pay for it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I've heard of stories of kids taking their parents wallet, but that's also the exception. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing is I don't think parents necessarily understand as much too, where I don't know. It's, I guess what I'm trying to say is it's sort of like an introduction to gambling that I think is a little more pervasive than people realize. So what you're saying is that when you buy something, you don't really know what you're getting, but you can trade it. No. So like I, I'm trying to think. So for a game like um, I guess Overwatch is a little bit older now, but it's an example where if you buy a, a, a what's called like a loot box, like you'll get X amount of items, but you don't know, like they might be super common or they might be rare. Oh, again, that's like the gambling aspect of it. It's like in oh, the same okay. way trade. Again, I might be kind of kind of going on a limb, but it's not like how trading cards. In a sense, mm -hmm. it's a gamble because you buy a pack of trading cards, and it could be, you know, one of one Aaron Rodgers, or it could be one of five thousand backup offensive linemen. But this is in the digital realm. Yes, that's and it's insane. in and Madden too in two K. So there's things called Ultimate Team where people will um, buy packs of players and put them on their roster and compete with other people. So there's people spending a lot of money and streamers on there spending money. And I don't know. And it's majority like children doing it. I don't know if it's majority children. There's a lot of kids doing it. I mean, the, 
this sports games, from my understanding, tend to have a younger demographic as it is. Uh, Let's look that up. Mainly because they can play them because they're E for everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Um. Oh, my wife just texted me. Our 2021 new built house has a phone line hookup. LOL. Thanks, babe. Apparently, I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah, me neither. But we're doing a podcast. Being corrected in real time. That's awesome. Yeah. I like it. Fact checkers. I like it. Uh, Okay. So organized sports participation among children ages six through 17. That's for youth sports, not sports video games. Oh, oh, (laughs) it's okay. Yeah. Um, Hold on. Just, just trust sports. me, bro. That's my sport. That's my source. Um, we play sports video games. There we go. Okay. Um, and I guess it's more mid twenties. Huh. But how many of those mid twenties were playing sports when they well, the sports 20, games when they were younger? That's twenty twelve too. Oh, okay. Yep. So. Um, I don't like this website. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. The found the like down, 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 down. The found the majority of those who play sports are 20, 98.4% male. Wow. And 80% white, not uh, in their mid 20s. Average of 26 years. Huh, I guess I was wrong on that one then. Double corrected. Dang. <laughs> <laughs> Go well, the drawing board. That's the beautiful thing about being able to do a podcast is you can like stop in real time, and uh, we disappeared on screen. There we go. Um, you can stop in real time and just to look something up to see if you're correct. That's something you can't really do on like a like an official new t- show, new show, TV yeah. show, or whatever. You can literally just do whatever you want. I love it. Beauty of the internet. You can drink whiskey. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. So. We're 58 minutes into this thing. Is there anything else you want to talk about before we wrap this up? Not that I could think of. I think we covered we covered a lot, a lot of things today. Yeah. Um, talked about gambling. <laughs> <laughs> talked about hardcore dojo. Yeah. Um, I guess the last thing I would do is just shout out the program as I take a drink of whiskey. Um, I don't drink around the kids or at work or <laughs> really ever anymore. Um, I don't either. Just on podcasts. Yeah. Same. Um, I guess if you're in the area and are looking for something for your kid to do this summer, um, look at the DeWitt Parks and Rec program for Hardcore Dojo. It'll be a two-month program for each session. Kids will get to work on their skills, and at the end, we'll do a little uh, a little showcase for the parents in the same way that you would show your skills in a karate dojo to level to get your new belt. Um, we are looking for coaches. We're looking for... Um, someone to help out with any sort of operations. If you have someone who's a student at MSU is looking for some internship credit, um, come and find me. And other than that, I'll see you all around. Awesome. And I, uh, real quick, wanted to shout out Jess who, uh, commented in the, in the comments. She, uh, does a Michigan crime podcast it, or it's like a podcast or a show that, um, she goes over these, uh, court like sessions on YouTube and, uh, she talks about them. And it's interesting. Mm. So, uh, yeah, if for anybody who's interested in crime stuff, check out her st- her show. It's pretty cool. And uh, she's been on the podcast, too. So check out her episode. All right. So uh, with that being said, we'll wrap this up. Thanks for doing the podcast. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And uh, see you next time. Peace out, everybody.